All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 203 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. We are rolling these episodes out fast as lightning at the moment with all the stuff that's happening in KISS land. This episode has been actually in the planning stages for a little bit, and it was Daniel's idea to ask our listeners and watchers about things that they would like us to talk about or questions that they have for us. So we've picked a few to get started on today. Um... Anyone who we don't get to your question or your topic, we will in the future. Um, so we thank everyone who took the time to, you know, get in touch with any of us and uh, say, hey, you've never talked about this. You've never done this. Or Julian, I have a question for you specifically. So we will get into that. So today the panel is, of course, Marcus Almighty. Mark. Greetings, sir. Daniel Weeds, And the Voice of Reason 69th Blizzard. Hello. So thank you for joining me today for these. And I think the first questions that I'm going to handle are kind of the ones that are specifically directed at me. So it gives me the opportunity to monologue for a little bit longer. And you can, guys can all roll your eyes as I go through these. So uh, I'm just going to jump straight in. Question number one, I didn't keep track of people's names. So um, I don't know if we'll out people who ask the questions but uh you'll know if it was you okay first one is uh is there any chance you're going to be selling physical copies of your danger zone book uh well yes actually i'm going to be launching the hardcover at the gathering events in miami on uh, what is it october 30th which is of course andy and joe's pre-kiss cruise party that's got just about everyone ever related to kiss showing up in it check out their website at the kisscruiseprepartycom for more information on that the hardcover is only going to be available to people who are attending the gathering for now it'll get a general launch in november uh but for anyone purchasing the copy for the gathering it's going to have a couple of inserts uh you know just to make it a little bit more worthwhile and i will as andy would say you're going to sign that yes i will sign it for you in person if you so desire and if you don't want me to sign it i will smile graciously and say thank you very much for not making me sign i hate doing autographs it's the most embarrassing thing ever all right so uh next part of that question was uh what and when is your next book well i guess that technically is what and when is my next book and uh you know, uh, I don't have anything in the works uh, after that. I think probably a good long break. What about a, a book on revenge? No, because that would require Bob Eisen, and that's just never ever going to happen for me. Uh, so, you know, if someone if someone else was going to do one on revenge or creatures or lick it up, I would happily yeah, creatures be, lick it up be a co-author on that if they took the lead, but. Uh, you know, my, my time's kind of done. I've covered the the ones with Tim are just we can never go better than it, it's it's you just can't top those for me personally and what he brought into the equation. The Crazy Nights one is a best effort. I've had spent another year trying to get more interviews and it's just been banging my head against the wall. So I have to walk away from it because it's gone from a fun and exciting and interesting project into one that's kind of gone into negative zone with all the frustration. So I'm, I'm sure people are going to enjoy it. The interviews are good. Uh, they are all online. So if you don't want to buy a book, you don't have to. You can go. It's an uh, awesome book. You can go read them for free. Well, thanks, Mark. Uh, next question i need one yeah you'll get one don't worry everyone's taken care of you know all right have you ever done any official work for kiss no capital letters in bold everything i do is unofficial and unsanctioned i would like to think that um they don't mind but we'll leave that one there final one for me specifically is will you have an updated vault book including the final experiences this november yeah uh duh um it's getting thicker it is it's now what it is it's a this Mine's is a, about half that size yeah th this one's a proof copy for the one that will come out actually in december after gene does the final events in los angeles and las vegas one of which i hope to go to um but it is nearly final he's he's uh you know not a lot's going to happen at those events so afterwards a hardcover 
will come out. I'll probably do this oh. paperback as well, just to, the price difference isn't that great. But, you know, that'll be it. If he does any one-off vault things next year, don't care. This is all about just the vault year and um, something else special that's in there uh, outside of the vault. So you have to wait and see when it comes out. I think only one person has the actual uh, proof copy of the hardcover right now that has that stuff in it, and it's not me. All right. I have one more topic that I want to start off on, and then we're going to get everyone involved, so I, I apologize for now having been going five minutes on my own. Um, the first question from the audience, really, for the podcast is, what are your thoughts on three sides of the coins? None of this would have happened if you have a contract episode. And let me just uh, preface my response to this by saying... I'm not interested in getting into podcast wars. I do have information available to me that three sides did not have available to them when they did their episodes. And I also want to remind everyone that there was no love lost between the Decibel Geek guys and three sides in January in Atlanta. If uh, you recall the kind of... Uh, grief that erupted out of some comments that were made rightly or wrongly again i've never been happier to be on the other side of a room than at that podcast at that atlanta expo because i have no idea what happened i have no opinion on any of that drama their episode to me knowing everything that i know is again opinion and the strength of your opinion is you know, represented by the facts that you have with which to base your opinion on. So knowing what I know, their opinion is absolutely rubbish that uh, it wouldn't have happened if you have a contract. Number one, anyone knows who works anywhere near the business is that a contract is only as good as its enforceability. You can have a signed piece of paper and have that contract broken, and then you have to decide whether you cut your losses or whether you go to court to enforce that. Um, anyone who knows anything is also that you don't need to have a written contract in which to have a contract. An email in law, and you can go Google all this shit for yourself, you know, can be construed in a court of law as a binding contract. It's again whether you are going to um, enforce that or, you know, waste the money on legal fees with which to, you know, keep someone to their word. So without going into a whole lot of details about this, because it just needs to go. You know, everyone who went to the National Rock and Pod had a great time without that guest. He was not missed. Would it have happened right. with a contract? You don't know. Because yeah, contract, not. someone can say, I want to renegotiate this or I'm not going to show up. So having a contract itself is not a golden ticket to a smooth sailing. So... I think what it comes down to more is that the three sides guys saw an opportunity to go with their agenda, and that's fine. That's If they want to do that, if, if they feel that that's the way to go, then that's great. If they also feel from their experiences in the industry, Mike knows what he's talking about. I mean, he, go listen to his business podcast. If you haven't, go check it out. It is very much worthwhile watching and listening to a lot of the other stuff that he talks about on a professional basis. But I really think an agenda got in the way of making sense uh, with that episode. Uh, and at the mm -hmm. end of the day, people watched it, people enjoyed it, because I know some people were mad about the Decibel Geek guys, but it is what it is. So I just don't think that saying this would not have happened without a contract, uh, if you had a contract, is correct by any means. Ken, mm -hmm. any thoughts on that before we move on to stuff that are way more interesting? Well, we had a, a we had an episode where I, I went on a little I talked about that thing and about that and I went on a little rant. Um, and just to keep it short, I, I just said you don't you don't you didn't need an hour or however long that podcast was almost I don't know how long it was, but to to explain more stick it in someone's face that was trying to do the contract. He was new to this, same as people being new to writing books. Uh, they like to uh, show their opinion and say, well, sorry, uh, you should have did it this way. Well, 
it's a learning experience for those people. They're new at this. They're new at setting up this uh, conference. They're new at uh, getting a contract. New at getting a you know putting a book together. It's it's you know it's learning. Um, but but I just don't like didn't like the the dragging it on and then kicking these people when they're down, just putting it in their face. That is is not acceptable in my book. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. That's exact. That's what I was just going to say too. I mean, just to also put in, I I am a loyal watcher of uh, Michael Brandfield's business podcast. I I listen to it every week, and I find that there's a lot of information that's very handy for me, even as an independent musician mm-hmm. there that I have found on there. So he definitely knows what he's talking about. That's never been a question. I think. I think the question is. Why, just like Ken said, would you need 45 minutes to an hour to discuss something that could take 10 minutes? You know, that's the that's the main thing about it. Is that it just got to the point watching that podcast where I was like, okay, is there going to be anything else talked about during this or what? You know, like, but you know, whatever. Like Julian said, I think Julian said it best. There's many reasons why people do things. There's agendas and there's you know maybe yeah. formats that they like to follow. And that's all fine and good. Maybe that's how they run their show. And that's great. But, you know, I just don't think that they deserve to have, you know, been dragged over the coals like that for that long. So that's all I had to say. All right. Daniel, any comments or can we move on to something more interesting? And again, this is nothing against your sides. This is just, you know, (laughs) opinion. Well, uh, I guess three sides, um, they have a lot of good episodes. This wasn't one of them, I can say. Uh, way too long. You should have, you know, like put a, put across their opinion in five minutes and then move, move on. Like, so, so it was just too long, a boring episode. I didn't make it through it. So hopefully they, they put out some better episodes in the future. But I don't really care about podcasters. I care about KISS. So let's talk a little kiss instead. There you go. Exactly. Bitching about podcasters between podcasters is just lame. All right. Let's <laughs> let's let's go to a question. Uh, and Johnny, do you have the list with you? I mean, um, do you, do you want to pick one of the questions from one of our Swedish friends well, that we can well, do? I, I don't have it, but I, I can just go to kiss the kiss FAQ. Let's see. Yes, go to kissfaq.com. Good Gene Simmons impression. (laughs) Yeah, uh, let's see now. Well, I got a few from some uh, friends here in in Sweden. All right, yeah, start us off with one of them, and uh, let's let's start with Sweden. So uh, uh, this one, what do you say about this one? who writes the better tunes, Paul or Gene? This guy, Matt Jimwall from Kyrgios, London, Sweden. He, he personally prefers he prefers Gene's stuff. What do you say about that? All right, Paul, let's, Ken. Let's let's start with you on that. Uh, well, you know, again, this is that's subjective, and then everyone has their tastes and preferences. Um, uh. They wrote, they both write great, you know, in my opinion. Um, but having said that, uh, I do prefer the Gene songs. I've always preferred his style of writing. Um, the way he, he, he goes for these, uh, you know, cool riffs and, and tries to, and a lot of his songs does, uh, you know, goes for a medley and whether it's a Beatles type medley or some other kind of medley, um, Usually pretty good. I mean, of course, his you know, we're not talking. I'm not talking lyrics here. <laughs> his lyrics, <laughs> are, of course, are pretty, you know, dumbed down for the most part. But uh, it's more about the tune and the attitude, I guess, in the song. Now, on Paul's side, I do like. I mean, he has a set style pretty much. He doesn't stray too much from his style of writing. I don't think sometimes he does, but he's pretty. You know what you're going to get pretty much with Paul. Uh, Gene can take left turns sometimes, um, especially as seen on the vault, um, which is I like to see a lot of what he wrote on the vault. And and a lot of those tunes are very, very good and different. Um, so, yeah, it's just a preference. But uh, Gene has always been the one that I like. It doesn't mean he's a better songwriter in general, but I just prefer his his songs. 
All right, Mark, what's your take on Matt's question to us? Well, this would be a difficult question to answer if we were only talking about the records from the beginning to, let's say, you know, like up to Love Gun, because I think from that point, they were pretty they were pretty good writers, both of them. Like they both had mm-hmm. their strengths and they really showed that in those records. Once we start getting past there, like when we start getting to like Dynasty or even past then, I start feeling that Paul has the more stronger songs, mainly because I think his focus has always been on Kiss. Gene has a tendency of having his attention stray to many different things, and not only just musically, but just in his personal life. And I think sometimes if you're not focused on the ball at hand or the thing at hand, then sometimes you don't have as your concentration isn't as strong and you don't write as strong material. I think because Paul's always been so dedicated to Kiss, his writing always shows that. Like, I mean, if you go to like anim, like Animalize or Asylum, there's just no question who has the stronger songs on there. And it's mainly because look at how much dedication each of them had toward the project. I think that kind of answers it for me. So for me, I always think it's been Paul who's been the stronger writer. Nice. Okay. All right, Daniel, what's your answer? Well, um, I'd have to agree with what Matt's saying, that uh, um, Paul kind of took over. Um, but uh, another thing is that I do li- like a lot of Gene's songs that he has co-written with other people. I'm mm. not sure how much Gene has to do with those songs, but songs like, um, from the top of my head, uh, Unholy, one of my favorite Gene Simmons track of all t- uh, tracks of all time. I'm not sure how much he had to do with it because I guess Vinnie Vincent had a lot to do with that th- that song. Uh, mm-hmm. I do like that one. And then you have songs like uh, War Machine. Uh, was that? Yeah, that was written with Brian Adams. But Zero sh- to do with that. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but at least his uh, singing on that one. I don't know another singer. I'm not sure I would like it as much. I, I think it's one of it's one of his stronger vocals. So, but he he kind of saw the potential of the song at least. He saw this is a song that would suit me and suit my character, and he went full demon mode. And I, I do like the Gene Simmons demon songs, but most of them he hasn't written himself. Then of course you have God of Thunder, but that was written by Paul. So I'd say I'd say G I'd say Paul is my favorite, but. Uh, I do enjoy Gene's, you know, he has, he has some good songs, but he hasn't written them all by himself. All right. Um, my answer on this is, Matt, who writes better tunes? For me, I'm Team Paul. From the beginning to the end, it's always been about Paul's songs for me, whether it's Love Gun, whether it's I Still Your Love, whether it's Sure Knows Something, I Still Love You, A Million to One, Every Time, oh, no, uh, what the hell is it? The one on Revenge. Shit. Every time I look at you. Thank yeah. you. I was I was heading into the one on Live to Win there, and uh, that just not, that is <laughs> oh, not no. one of them. But oh, no, um, no, no. you know, for all of that, I do. My my favorite Kiss song is Deuce. So go figure. You know, I prefer mm-hmm. I prefer G, I prefer Paul's songs, but my favorite song is a Gene song that Paul Stanley did not write. So um, <laughs> so I'm I'm sure I'm sure with Deuce that uh, the whole band had quite a bit to do with that. It's, you know, particularly Paul. But there we go. All right, let's move on to a, another one of these questions, and I'm going to grab one out of uh, uh, the ones that were sent to me. All right, here we go. It seems like everything the lads do this day, these days is received cynica- cynically negatively. So uh, we're a bunch of miserable bastards who don't appreciate Uh-oh. anything. We oh, that's not- and and not us specifically. I think it's referring more, you know, to the Kiss Army in general. Daniel, go with that. You you look like you're itching. I I, I don't agree. I do think uh, Kiss fans speak their mind. However, uh, we've had to put up with a lot of you know subpar releases. And then I think uh, some criticism is, uh, uh, you know, they they need to hear it. Uh, on the other hand, you have uh, those times when Kiss ha- have a- actually done something well. And they get a good response from the fans. Like, you know, the Gene Simmons vault, I'd say, has been appreciated all across the board. 
uh, and uh, stuff and, like and, and hated by many as well. Yeah, but um, I think yeah, the main thing is yeah, it's expensive, but it's for the diehards. I think it was a good thing he did there. Uh, it worked out well. And, and there was another thing I thought of that was kind of good. Uh, but I can't remember it now. I had two things, but I just remember one. But when they do something really good, I think they get the response they deserve. But we see the potential, you know? We see everything they could release. Uh, yeah. That, you know, a lot of fans have great ideas, but nothing ever happens. And uh, that's like the main thing. I think KISS fans are disappointed. They see the opportunities, but uh, somehow KISS don't. So I think that's like the core of the disappointment among the fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, I think I think you're on the right track with that. I mean, I, I I don't think that they're all that we're all negative about it. I think the problem is that Kiss fans are expecting certain things and they're not getting it when they want. Like when the Kiss fans are expecting like an announcement about something like let's say a new record. Instead, we get something about, you know, Paul Stanley releasing a new sneaker. And that's when you start getting people going, oh, man, come on, what? I was expecting this. But instead, I get, you know, a, or a new coffee shop is opening or this is happening. Or I just think that the reason why people are being cynical is because what they're anticipating, they're not getting. And what they are receiving is something that they're maybe not interested in. Like those shoes, for example. When I saw it, I thought, OK, they're cool, but I'm not going to go buy them. I don't, I don't care for sneakers or stuff like that. Right. I want to. I like more music or video releases or stuff like that. Or I'm even more interested in if, if they release like another, you know, kind of, you know, signature guitar or something. That would be more interesting to me than, you know, those things. Interesting. Good points. Ken, what about what's the voice of reason say on that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, people like to pick, be picky and pick at little things and kids. I mean, I, I mean, we're guilty of it too every now and then. Um, the, you know, like we had been picking on the solo album thing for a long time. And, you know, gee, maybe they maybe they broke down and did it after so many people talking about it for so long. I don't know. Or it's a coincidence. Um, but, you know, we had asked for that and finally finally came out. Um, maybe not the way we were hoping it would come out with, you know, like bonus material and other stuff. Um, but at least the, they attempted it. And uh, I'm happy for that. Um Otherwise, you know, it, it is what it is. Everyone has their other th- only, you know, things that they expect. Um, for me, I would rather have brand new music from them um, somehow. I mean, I've, that's that's what I've always wanted is is new music, not rehashes or, or compilations of greatest hits, you know, volume 20. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't need another greatest hits. Uh, I have all those songs already, you know. I I bought them multiple times. Um, I'd rather have some new music. Uh, that's the thing I, I that I'm picky about, and wish they would have put one more album out at least. You never have know. you given up on that? Have you given up on a new album? I'm not giving up on some kind of new material. Um, I'm hoping they. Even an EP or something, you know, in in or a single starting out the tour, some yeah something, uh, just give something a little extra, you just, know, just just re- re-record one of those classic '78 songs uh, from that cover band. You Maybe know. write a ro- song "End of the Road," but not the end of the road that's already been done. <laughs> yeah, that's a totally different song, but uh, yeah, something you know to coincide with this massive tour. Yeah, th- think back to 96, 97. You Wanted the Best came out. I mean, now they can do You Wanted the Something. End. You Wanted the End. <laughs> you Wanted you the wanted, End. You wanted And throw on a bunch of, you know, demos and unfinished songs and, you know, maybe go back and do what they did to uh, the recordings on You Wanted the Best. Ruin them. But, you know, are we, cyn- are we cynical? I-, I think we need to differentiate between general fans and diehard lunatics who are online, who gossip, who follow every rumor, who know a lot of stuff that's coming. 
so that nothing is ever exciting when it actually happens because you've heard of all these things before it ever occurs. Think of the people who just tuned into America Got Talent the other night and actually saw Kiss on TV and they're like, holy shit, I love that band. I didn't know they're still around. You know, they love it. You know, they just see what they see. They don't realize that it's lip synced to Kiss Rocks Vegas, you know, with some live vocals added in. They don't notice that Eric is hitting his snare drum when the cymbals are going crashing. You know, I know. Yeah. they do not care about that sort of detail. So us yeah. online. Yeah, I, I think we do get, you know, a little bit cynical about it. It's like and I took a step back the other day when the solo colored vinyl thing came out uh, for pre-order. I was like, yay, finally, is it done how I would have done it? No. But it's done. Be thankful yeah. that it is finally done, something. that it is something rather than nothing, something that we have been talking about, complaining about, and they announced it on the anniversary of the solo albums. So I, I just have to step back and, and s separate myself from all that other stuff and just say, they finally did it. Shut up, Julian, and enjoy it. So, you know, you know I, I, I think it's, it, it's balanced out. There are some people who go through this life who enjoy absolutely everything. There are some people on the other side of the coin who enjoy nothing and want to, to moan. I'd like to think the majority of us are somewhere in the middle where we enjoy some stuff and we're cynical about other stuff. And it's all fine. At the end of the day, we like what we like. Agreed. That was just okay. Cool. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let, let's go to another one that was sent to me, and that's uh, assuming Vinnie Vincent's two concert appearances in December actually happen. How viable do you think he will be after all of his 2018 cancellations and unsatisfactory history? Well, number one, there's only been one cancellation that he did, and he was canceled on the other way around. Um, I don't think he's got a tremendous amount of unsatisfactory history, um, at least in 2018. He showed up in Atlanta. But if these shows in December happen, um, I, th I think that makes him more viable if they happen. It's an, kind of an advertising card that, again, uh, Derek Christopher will have delivered Vinny onto the stage and Vinny will have performed both electrically and acoustically. And that can only be good things. Um, whether or not he has any expo appearances or anything else in the future, who the hell knows? I mean, it's all down to how those relationships went at the ones that he has done, whether um, if they were good, then word gets around that they'll be good. And I'm talking from a promoter's point of view. Um, and if they were not good, then that also gets around. So he, he makes his own bed and he's going to sleep in it. So Mark, mm -hmm. what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think he has uh, more to gain if he does do these shows properly because I think right now the vibe that I'm getting is that there's a lot of, well, maybe not a lot, but there's a, a percentile of people who are anticipating that he's going to cancel. Like I just get that feeling. There's a lot of them out there who are already thinking that he's going to botch it. You watch. But I think that if he goes ahead and delivers, and more importantly, if he delivers a show electrically that people will be somewhat impressed with, I think that'll give him the much-needed cachet that he's looking for, I'm sure, and will help him with future endeavors. But I think what KISS fans need to understand is that those ones who are thinking that if he does a good performance on these upcoming shows, that doesn't mean that he's going to be suddenly welcomed back with open arms with KISS on this farewell tour. I think that's what everyone's kind of anticipating. They're like, if he does good on this, I guarantee you Paul will get him back on the farewell tour, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think that he should just be happy if he does a good show. It'll help him with his own kind of uh, shows in the, in the coming years. And that's only to benefit him. He'll, you know, he can maybe make a decent solo career out of it. If he continues to, you know, make things good for him. But, uh, just don't don't think that these shows are going to do anything to get him back onto a final tour with Kiss. Ken, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's you know, it's his history where he was gone for so long and you know just disappeared and he came back and you know whatever they you know he didn't appear at this rock and pod thing because whatever happened, um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with Mark where, you know, if he shows up at this coming up, uh, 
uh, in December. He does the shredding and and all that, um, um, or whatever it is. Um, you know, yeah, it's gonna only help him. Um, and maybe it'll help him if he decides, you know, hey, I see he can really play guitar still, you know, electric guitar. Yeah. Uh, and it, then if he goes on forward to releasing some music or new music, you're gonna say, oh, well. Yeah, I'll probably buy it because I can see he can still he can still do it. Um, and we already all know he, you know, he's a great songwriter. So I don't think that's going to diminish at all. Um, if you're, you know, a pretty good songwriter, you're going to stay a pretty good songwriter. Um, so I don't know. I I think it's just gonna we'll have to see what happens. But uh, I think there's nothing to worry about i think he's going to probably shred and do his thing and put some stuff out and do some maybe more appearances next year nice good thoughts daniel i do hope ken is right but i have to tell you i got i i, I got a bad vibe about this guy uh, i mean every everything i've seen since he came back has been he seems very fragile and he seems extremely uh, weird the way the way he spoke to Gene when they were together seems uh, it's just like a extremely weird guy uh, and, and that's when he's prepared to go on stage and talk about interesting stuff just imagine how he is when he's a little bit you know stressed out and, uh, and uh, not he, he doesn't have anything on everything under control people put people put pressure on him and I don't think it will work out well, but I do hope I'm wrong here because I do like a lot of Vinnie Vincent stuff that he did with Kiss, and uh, I'm not even sure he can play. I, I, sh- I don't know why. I remember when he was in, in Sweden for some sort of convention back in the 90s, and he went up on stage and played uh, with a cover band, and he just played the chords. He never played the uh, solos, and he said it was because well, he had some reason why he didn't do it. I'm not, I mean, you can't forget how to play, but somehow I think something has happened with the guy. He's just like way off, and I don't think he will succeed, unfortunately. I think he will just disappear again. But we'll see who's right, me or Ken. Mark, as a musician, what do you think on Daniel's take, you know, that he's kind of maybe has forgotten to play? What do you think from a, from that perspective as someone who does play uh on losing one's chops or maybe arthritis or age or all of the factors that come into how one does play properly. And especially at the speed, which Vinny originally did uh, kind of <clears throat> perform. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's put it this way. That old adage that you can never unlearn to ride a bike is kind of true when it comes to guitar playing. I mean, once you've played guitar, you will know how to play guitar, but <clears throat> excuse me, keep in mind that like anything that requires you know skill you have to kind of also polish that skill too you have to keep up with your practicing you have to keep up with your technique and stuff like that and if you leave it astray you will get rusty i mean there was a period even for me in between records where i hadn't played guitar for a bit and when i first picked up my guitar again started playing there were certain things that i was able to do no problem that i found wow i'm having a little bit of trouble playing this now and realize that it was because of lack of practice and sometimes your calluses and your fingers start getting Mm -hmm. soft again you have to build them back up again and you know if Vinny is being truthful and saying that you know for the last 20 years he's been playing then everything should be fine but if he hasn't then he has a lot of catching up to do because your fingers are going to get soft you know, some of the muscle memory is going to be gone from your playing technique because your left and right hand have to connect and be one when you're doing some of these really fast things. And there's a lot to it. And let me tell you something, like my wrist, I don't know if you can see that, my wrist here is a bit swollen from the other day. I was taking my dog out and she she went and she yanked my leash and I whapped it against the door. And of course, it nicely swelled Ouch. up because I, I still sometimes have... I have a little bit of problem with a form of arthritis as well in some of my joints. So if I ram something, it'll swell, but it'll go away with time. And with, you know, if I, if I put ice and stuff like that, or if you, if you know how to do the things to treat it, you can get past it. I mean, Alex Lifeson for the last of the whole farewell tour that dated for Rush, 
he was he had really bad seriatic arthritis in his hands, but he said all it took him was 10 minutes of extra practicing backstage before every show, and he was fine. Now, once you know your body and how to take care of it, in that sense, you can get away with you know playing at a close to peak level performance. Is Vinnie Vincent doing all these things? I don't know. But I can tell you that as a guitar player myself, I keep up with these things because I want to make quality records and make good songs for people. And you can't do that if you're not in a good performing state. So, you know, I'm as a guitar player to a guitar player, I really hope Vinny's keeping up with these things. And I hope that he's, you know, practicing at home and going through some of his rudimentary stuff to get his chops back up. Because if he does, I think he can do it. He's a He's shown before he can do it. It's just a matter of getting yourself built back up to that point again. Yeah, start start playing the treasure stuff and move work your way back up. I mean, you yes. got you got yeah. no, you got to nurture the gift. And I'm not saying the treasure stuff was easy, but compared to you know, boys are gonna rock. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and maybe who who knows? I mean, it, it's gonna be fascinating to see what does actually happen. And you know, I wish him success on that because I do want to see him on stage. I would be much happier to be honest, just having an acoustic event with him and Robert with the uh, things maybe tuned down and rearranged to suit Robert's changing voice and to suit maybe Vinny's changing style and, uh, you know, playing style and, and requirements. But, you know, I, I hope it's a success and I hope it, you know, leads to other things, but it is of course Vinny Vincent. So who, who, who knows? We will all have to wait and see on that one. Uh, Daniel, do you want to pick another one from your Swedish contingent for us to address? Yeah, let's see what we have. Uh, let's pick this one. Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the people who sent these to me, they, they aren't re- they aren't like hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. So I think this was just kind of fun. I don't know if we can discuss it, but heard Paul Stanley sing. Is he going to stop now that he can't hit the notes anymore? Mike mm-hmm. Ice, Valnes, Sweden. But I, I would say, will he stop? You know, with this tour, I'm sure he will try. I'm not sure he will use those canned vocals. I, I don't think he will, because he said one too many times they don't use, you know, tapes and they do everything by themselves. So I think he'll have a go at it and try singing. And unfortunately, he he's going to fail. Uh, but... Um, What's interesting is what happened happens after Kiss because after this tour will he still be releasing records? Hopefully, and maybe he can do it in the same way that he did when he performed on Aces album uh, a few years back. You know, he did that Paul mm-hmm. Rogers song, sounded great. Um, so if he gets into the studio and is able to sing, you know, you know those kind of songs. Uh, I think it will continue, and he might even release his next solo album, Hoping to Live, or whatever. <laughs> Hoping to live. live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, that, that's, that's the next one coming out. So I'm hoping for, for that. But uh, as far as singing live, he just can't do it anymore, unfortunately. And uh, hopefully they, they, they uh, perform less Paul songs than Gene songs on this, the final tour. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a brutal situation for a singer to go through what Paul has been going through for quite a while. I mean, the question, you know, is he going to stop now that he can't hit the high notes or the, the notes anymore? Yeah, they've announced the end. How are they going to deal with it? I don't think you're going to hear any of them pontificating about backing tapes. I don't think anyone's going to say anything. Uh, we're going to show you how the big boys do it. And I think they're going to use a lot of explosions and fire and bright, shiny things to shock and awe the audience into not noticing any areas where uh, there is weakness vocally. And I think they're going to do everything they can technically uh, and technologically to help support Paul, because I don't think anyone in the KISS organization would want people's final memories of the band to be a mewling lead singer um, who shouldn't be up there. I, I think they're going to protect him. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they use some tape. And again, I know nothing. I, I haven't heard anything, and I wouldn't say if I had. But I wouldn't have a problem if they did use tape. Because I think when I when I go to shows for the end of the road, 
I want to be shocked and awed into submission and have a very positive memory of the final time I see the band live. And if that means they have to cheat a little bit, well, so what? He sung, I know he sung for decades, and I, I'm okay with it. Ken, what's your take on that question? Yeah, I'm a little bit with you there. Um, yeah, well, they use tapes. I don't know. Um, I'm not concerned about it. Um, but I was thinking, you know, yeah, when I'm at the show, and and he's not using a tape you don't when you're there you don't notice it as much as when you uh watch well as much as what as when you watch it on a video or or you know playback or youtube or whatever um it stands out a lot more that way um but uh yeah they may use something um i think i think they may have to I'm just thinking they, they may have to do something. Um, but if they don't, th that's fine too. Um, it's, it's acceptable, uh, if you can get through it, <laughs> you know, and it's not too glaring, um, as part of the show, you know, it's okay. I mean, the last show I went to, I mean, his vocals were not where they are now. I mean, they're a little bit better, but they were still, you know, it was noticeable to me, but, when you're experiencing the whole everything going on, uh, it's it's you're still having a good time, um, and that's what it's all about is to have a good time at these shows. So, Mark, okay, I'm, just, go. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. First of all, I'm not one to gloat, but didn't I tell you? Didn't I? Wasn't I the one who brought up the thing about the canned? Yes. vocals and saying that I think that there could be a good possibility when I saw that America has got talent thing on one hand I was smiling because I was saying to myself aha I knew it I told you he was going to do it and they did do it and th the thing is like you guys said what's most important is people leaving that show saying that was a fucking great show I loved it you know, I had such a great time. The pyro was amazing. The lights were great. They were great on stage. And I think very little people will bring it up at the show. You know why I say that? Because after that performance was on and I looked at the at the Facebook comments, there was a hell of a lot of people that were saying, no, man, that was live. That was live. That was live. There was a lot of people who were convinced it was live. So if those people were convinced and some of them were pretty – you know, KISS fans that I've seen regularly posting who I would put into more of a KISS, like, loyal kind of fan, then the then the Joe Blow fans, like the come Johnny Come Lately ones, they'll for sure they never pick up on it. There's no way. So if they go that route, I won't be surprised. I'm not going to – and I'm not going to belittle them for it because, like you said, a two-, three-year tour, if they're planning to do it, Paul would hardly get through six months doing it with all his – just his normal voice – if they're going to use that to help get through three years, as long as people are happy and walk out with a smile on their face, I think that's what they need to consider in the long run with this. So I think that you're going to see, better yet, you're going to hear a lot more canned vocals to come, I think. And the other thing that Daniel brought up that I want to bring up is I think that he will continue singing. But I think he's going to be doing more of the stuff like his, uh, what's that thing, the Groove Station, or what's that Soul Station thing that he does? Soul Station. Soul Station. I think falsetto. Would, he can I do think falsetto. Would, I think that he could go, to, I think that he will probably go more that route where he probably feels more comfortable singing that sort of stuff. He's having trouble singing old Paul Stanley, 20-year-old Paul Stanley. And, of course, anybody who reaches that age now that they are would have difficulty singing. He, he did some amazing vocals at that time. So mm -hmm. to sing that stuff would be difficult. Now I just think that he'll make music – that he'll sing in his comfortable range, something that he feels comfortable doing. And it might turn out great because he'll be doing stuff that's not expected. It'll be something new, something that it'll be new for him. And maybe people will like it. Maybe people won't like it. But as far as the Kiss stuff goes, I, I think there's going to be more canned vocals. I don't have a problem with it because I think that the overall show is what's the most important thing at this point of their career. Yeah, and who knows, you know, you might end up with a situation where you have Sophie Simmons and two of her friends on stage dressed up as the Kissettes on the Love Gun cover helping out vocally. I, I Someone someone had suggested that on a previous episode, using female backing vocalists. Uh, tomorrow and tonight. 
Yeah, you know, the cassettes, like, you know, Motley did in the 80s, you know, um, anything to just help the sound. I mean, who, who the hell knows? You know, whatever is the case with Paul, um, I, I just hope that they're all on the same page. I hope G stops talking about it. Um, you know, if the fans yeah. aren't the fan, we're not going to stop. I, I mean, it's just so noticeable, even that show in 2017. But again, it's like the thing I mentioned earlier about the diehards, and we hear everything online, and we overanalyze everything. Yeah. So, is it possible for you to turn off that radar when you're at the show, or are you automatically listening and tuning into those weak areas? It's 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 a tough mm. it's a tough equation, and I think the the vast majority of people. Um, I would hope that they don't notice, but I have heard people come out of shows um, and talk about oh, yeah. it. So uh, whatever the case, I, I hope they deal with it. Uh, we've got one more question from Sweden um, that I've got queued up for today, and it, it's a fun one. Uh, Henrik, and I'm not even going to try and say your surname from Stockholm, uh, which KISS lineup is the best? Personally, <laughs> I'd like to have seen the Lick It Up lineup with Vinnie Vincent for a few more albums. All right. Okay, thank thank you for the question, Henrik. Uh, Daniel, favorite Kiss lineup. Favorite Kiss lineup. Well, it's hard to get past, you know, like the original. Uh, thinking about all the stuff they did the years seventy. I recently saw a Paul Paul on uh, the Kiss FAQ where you were supposed to vote uh, which year you felt was the greatest Kiss year. And oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, it was kind of a fun poll. And you saw that 77 mm-hmm. and 76 almost got every vote. And yeah. I guess I have to agree with that those years being the most important and Kiss at their height. But personally, I wasn't even born then almost. So so to <laughs> me, it doesn't have the same value as maybe the revenge lineup, I'd say, because... That was when I was the biggest. That was when my Kiss Mania was at its height, and uh, I do remember, you know, wait, wait, wanting a new album, getting a new album, seeing the Unholy video, feeling Kiss were back. I li- I loved Alive Three uh, at that point of time. Uh, loved the way I was made for loving you sounded. Liked the band, wanted to see them live, never got the chance to do it, and and, the, and then the reunion happened, and I was like. Oh, they're, they're killing me. <laughs> Listening to that, what was the first show that did v, Vini, but for that radio station? The Weenie Rose. Yeah. Weenie Rose. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my God, they sound bad, I thought. And eventually they sounded a bit better, but, but I never could get past, you know, hearing Creatures of the Night with Eric Singer on the drums, hearing I Was Made for Loving You crunching through the speakers. It sounded well on the Hot in the Shader as well. So I, I, I guess I have to say the Eric Singer, Bruce Kulick lineup, even though I, I never cared for the way Bruce was on stage, I always loved the way he, he played on stage. Stage. He, he, he rarely missed a, a note. And, uh, you know, like Deuce with that lineup, it's like, whoa, what happened with this song? It's like a new song. It's like contemporary music again. You felt proud, you know, uh, you could grab your Kiss T-shirts from the closet and wear them once again without feeling ashamed. Yeah, that's a good T-shirt, <laughs> by the way. Um, uh, and I, as Henrik Jungren, as his full name is, uh, said, uh, he liked the Lick It Up era uh, and wanted to see more of that one. I would have uh, would have seen would have liked to see that as well. But after seeing how Vinny. You know how he is. I do understand it was cut short, but I I would have hoped that they would have kept him as a songwriter. You know, told him like this isn't isn't really working out, Vinny, but we would like to pay you a bit if you could help us write some Gene Simmons songs for Animal Eyes. <laughs> and then that record would have been great. No, they didn't do that. So, but uh, I'd have to go with a Revenge Airliner, mostly because it was at a time when i was the right age you know instead as is the case with animal eyes and revenge they'll just borrow his titles um and mm-hmm. just take those instead ken uh what, what would be yours on this question well okay the best lineup is subjective <laughs> um and and the thing is yeah uh, at the revenge era they they were at their probably 
tightest um, as a band uh, in, in performance-wise. Uh, that's why those songs were played at a new level and sounded different, like you said, Daniel. Um, you know, kind of refreshed them. Um, but having said that, the earlier lineup is is and the one I go to, and on that poll, I chose I chose seventy seven, um, and that's when I came in to uh, the band. Anyway, um, that band had a, a, a more of a I guess you lose you know the loose feels a swagger, more of a swagger to it, and and it, you know a looser type kind of feel to everything, um, and it was a chemistry. You know, it is. You can't deny that there was there's some chemistry when those four original four are together. So uh, that's the band that I came in with. That's the band. Most of the the best music, I think, came out of um, in those years. And uh, and if I want to go to listen to the music, I'll go to that before, you know, the 80s maybe or late 80s <laughs> i would say late 80s um but you know revenge again was 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 great i mean i, I go back to look it up like that one person saying it, yeah i i agree if Vinny would have stayed throughout the 80s i think those albums would have been better tell you the truth the animalize asylum would have even been better than it is i mean you guys like it i think it would have been even better um truly so and you actually see what Vinny did when he helped a little with a little songwriting on Revenge. So uh, it it did make a difference. Yeah, some uh, seventy seven. Some Kilimanjaro curry powder added into the songwriting <laughs> in in the Revenge era. Mark, for you, what would that be? Well, it's funny actually. Just when this question came up, because one lineup came to mind right away, and mm. I know I've mentioned this lineup a few times before. And I think the reason why I love this lineup and the what and the, it was such a short time period was when they had Ace in, but Eric Singer was drumming. When they did that tour of Japan, <laughs> that was the lineup that I that I really enjoyed because it had the element of the swagger with Ace in there, yeah. but it also mm-hmm. had the technical tightness that they need with the drumming with Eric Singer. I mm-hmm. think those two when they're together give kiss something that it really strives with i mean the the drumming part is such an important part of kiss i think people forget about that when the drumming is on point it kiss can be one of the greatest music listened to live when it's off and it's sloppy it's terrible and eric singer is a great drummer and he can do so many things on drums and when you put him in there, you can afford to have a little bit of a sloppier ace because he keeps it so good together, Eric, with the rest of the guys, with Gene and with Paul, that you know you can afford to let Ace off his leash a bit and do his aceness a bit more. And I think it really showed on that tour of Japan. I think he they did such a great job. That's one of my favorite bootlegs to go and watch. I always watch that one because I think they did such a great job as a band on that tour. And from what I hear too, this is like beyond beyond the point. But they even said though that apparently they got along really good as a band with with like Eric Singer and Ace. Like Ace mm-hmm. seemed to get along a little bit better with them with Eric in the band. So even that seemed to have worked a little bit that way too. So, but musically, that's my favorite Kiss lineup. I love the medleys they were doing when you know when Ace started <laughs> oh, yeah. to play his own songs and Gene got pissed. That's just classic. <laughs> That's just that, that, that's just ace, and yeah, my my reaction was that was one I was going to mention. I, I I mean that's the probably the best lineup that never had a chance to show anything. When you think about how Eric Singer and Gene were the backbeat of the power of the '93 to '95 era, which really is musically the very very best that the band ever was, um, especially after Bruce had really found his guitar attack. Um, in revenge, mm-hmm. I mean, what all of those elements powered 93 to 95 more so than on the revenge tour. 
was just an incredible lineup. But for me, there can be only one, and it is the lineup that did rock and roll over. Because for me, that whole period is before they became, you know, before Glickman Marks totally had their hooks into them and turned them into a formula which is represented in 77, 78 for mm. me. It, it was the, the last really organic album I thought that they recorded. It was Peter Chris at the height of his drumming skill coming off uh, the Destroyer album, where I mm. think he I think that had done a lot for his technique and his approach. And the same for Ace. I think the boot camp carried on into when they did that album, and as a lineup, they were all still very motivated. The drugs and all the negative stuff hadn't quite done anything, so... You know, it's always going to be the originals when it when it's which which Kiss lineup is best the originals because without the originals you don't have any other Kiss lineup. But you know, it, it doesn't mean that Vinnie Vincent wasn't a great part of a lineup that was very good, especially when that may have been the lineup that you got into the band with. For me, you know, I could easily say Bruce and Eric Carr because that is the lineup that I got into before I even knew that the originals mm. existed. So. You know, I, th there is no right or wrong answer, but uh, yeah. again, it goes back to it being my favorite album. It goes back to where they sit in terms of their history. It goes back to where they are as individuals and musicians at that point. That you know, w that is the best, the very best of Kiss for me. So, but damn it, the 2001 lineup no, should have no kept one, it No one mentioned the current lineup. The, yeah. You know, the current lineup. And they're good. Actually, the current lineup's good. They're yeah, fine well, for, for what they do. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're not doing rock and roll over. They're not no. doing revenge. They're perfectly fine. They're, I mean, they're doing state fairs. They're perfectly fine. And, you know, I watched Tommy on stage, and he's doing all the moves. He's paying tribute to the oh, spaceman. Yeah. He does a fantastic job at what he does. I, I don't get upset. At, but musically, that lineup now does not hold a candle to Bruce's lineup in the in the early to mid 90s. It doesn't hold a candle to 73 to, you know, to 78. And it is what it is. It's still fun to see. And I've seen plenty of shows. So, you know, just because it doesn't, it's not going to get a nod. I mean, come on, look at where all those bars were on the, on the pole, 76, 77, 78, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. it is super kiss. All right. I think yeah. we've got time for one more. So I'm just going to grab a random one and, uh, Let's see. All right, we'll just go with. Uh, would Kiss fans be happier with the uh, if the band? Let me. Okay, this wasn't proved. Would Kiss fans be happier with the band had the reunion never happened and the band remained in 1995 convention mode, uh, specifically more humble, more accessible to the fans, and catering to a more hardcore demographic? Mm. Then, that, that that's kind of interesting. I, I for me, I think that was a dead end for the band. But if we'd only known back then that a hundred dollar tickets aren't so bad after all for the amount of time that you get right. with the band, uh, that would certainly change everything. I, I think with Kiss, it was never about um, being in any mode. It was always about following the next opportunity. And they saw that opportunity with the reunion. And they they knew that that was the opportunity to cash in. So. Uh, would I have been happier had the reunion never happened? I always thought it was going to be the death knell for the band, creatively, and that we were going to end up with endless rehashes. You know, I had hoped that the reunion album would have reignited them as a recording band, but obviously that didn't happen. So in hindsight, yeah, I would have been happier had they remained in pre-96 mode, but it would have been in theaters and smaller. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it's it's interesting because I know a group of friends and musicians that I know in my circle that actually thought that that period of time was some of their favorite. Like when they did the bar tour, a lot of my friends went and saw them in Toronto when they played the Phoenix Theater, and they said it was incredible. I had the bootleg on VHS tape, and it was a great, great show, you know. And I think there's an element of people now, and I think I even heard a. I think it was either Chris Sinzak or somebody in another podcast said that his days of going to see bands in huge arenas are done, that he likes to go see bands now in clubs because it is more intimate. You get you get a more closer feel of the band itself and the music in that capacity. So there is an 
element of the audience that that do like those sorts of performances. But I think the bottom line is that Kiss would never be happy if they did that. In their mind, they always look at themselves as, you know, the band that plays in stadiums and this and that. And that's how they envision themselves. So if they were left to play thousand seat theaters and stuff like that, yeah, you might have a consistent group of people that would always go to see them all the time. And that would be over the moon and happy to see them, but they would never be happy. They would be miserable, I think. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Mark. Um, but the other thing is, uh, for me, if they would have kept with uh, what they were doing uh, and went to, you know, did then Carnival of Souls, which is what they were, which was the next step, um, and that probably would have flopped, you know, big time for them. I don't know if they would have continued beyond that. They might have tried another one, uh, but I think Kiss would have, faded away at that point as a band. I, I don't know if it would have been here today. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have been here today, <laughs> actually. I'm, 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 I could say 99.9% positive they would have stayed un, you know, without the makeup. They wouldn't be together today as a band unless they did a reunion at this point and came back now as a reunion. And, and then the 96 reunion never happened. That could have happened. But uh, I, I don't see. I, I think they would have faded away, unfortunately. So I'm more happy that they did do the reunion and went the way they went, and what, why they're still here today. And we got more out of them, got some more music out of them, um, and one more tour. It's not that they didn't try, you know. If you think back, I remember. 93 was a real bad year. They released Alive 3 like their final chance at getting back. You know, they released Revenge the previous year. Uh, it, it sold gold, I think, in America and didn't do that great anywhere. Um, it started out in high places on the billboard and, uh, and on the lists around the world, but it dropped out. Yeah, exactly. Like Next week you, you could you couldn't see it yeah. on the top twenty, yeah. And then they tried live three that they had been holding on that you know that ace in in, in the sleeve for a, for a long time, and they played that one didn't work. It worked even worse than revenge, and they then they thought what are we going to do now? Well, let's release a tribute album, and that even flopped <laughs> worse. And that was that was a bad one. Tribute to ourselves. That was a terrible album. Uh, and they played some stadiums in South America, and I remember '94 as a good year actually because those videos from those concerts instantly went into the you know the Kiss Kiss Army, and you could could get a hold of them, and they were great. They didn't yeah. have a lot of explosions, and the shows were you know not very big so to speak, but they uh, were phenomenal on stage. And then '95, the Unplugged. Mm. And the conventions didn't work that good either. So they tried for many years to keep that lineup. And finally, they came to the conclusion that uh, there's just no way we can stay in this lineup. We, we, we're on a downward spiral and it will just continue. We have to think bigger. We have to think in other ways. We have to do something different. And that's why the reunion happened. They had no choice if they wanted to stay afloat. So... Thinking back, I was really disappointed when it happened, but after a few years, I uh, came to realize that there really wasn't any other way to go, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, you have to remember, they, try, they weren't sure themselves that the reunion would work. They kept Bruce and Eric on pay, yeah. and yeah. then it just exploded, and then, yeah, this is what we're going to do in the future. And you got Sonic Boom, at least, and uh, a few songs on Psycho Circus, and... I don't know about Monster, but at least it's an album. Yeah, and, and don't forget, don't touch my ascot. Uh, <laughs> Samurai yeah. Sun, and what's the other one? Uh, Venus and Mars, or Rock Show, Venus and Mars, you know, and uh, don't rock the and roll radio. Yeah, rock and roll radio. Yeah. So, yeah. oh well, you know, is what it is. Some good astute observations from you guys, as always. You know, so that's the first bunch of questions that we've uh, kind of uh, solicited our watchers, our viewers and listeners for, 
um, keep sending them in because I'd like to do another episode like this. It was fun just to, you know, kind of do some of your questions. I'd like to keep, you know, in, in future, most of them about the band, not about me. Um, because they're, they're the band and I'm not, so I don't really want to answer questions about me or other podcasts. But, uh, you know, we've got, we got that yeah. that one out of the way now, so... Uh, uh, we could have one episode with that as well. You know, ask the podcasters if someone is interested in that. I don't know why, but I would like to hear a bit about you because I've been talking to you, but I don't know why other people would be interested. But somehow... <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> oh, let's see Ken. Who is Ken really? So, oh, it's a secret. It's a secret. It's Batman. Yeah, you know. No, so that that was fun. So thank you everyone for send, taking the time to write up those questions and send them into us. Keep doing it. Keep sending them in. And uh, once we get a few uh, more good ones, we know how we like to keep our shows to about an hour. Um, we know how many questions we can pretty much approach, and uh, we'll do another episode that way. Because, uh, you know, I've enjoyed it today. Hopefully you guys have. Um, but I think that's it. Any last things before we go? Because uh, I've got nothing else. Mark, anything? Uh, not all of Actually, I should probably just say one thing. Um, I was supposed to start my pre-order today with my Project Gemini thing. Um, what ended up happening was there's a few things I'm trying to get lined up for extras as part of the pre-order. And I needed to just hunt down boxes of some of these things that I had of these things just to make sure that I had them before I went ahead and offered it. Nothing worse than saying, yeah, you know, I have this to offer and I find out I only have one of them. You know what I mean? So I wanted to make sure I had stuff lined up. Everything's kind of figured out and now it's kind of in place. And I need to make the the YouTube video to kind of tell everybody what's happening. So that's why it's a little bit behind and Sunday I will do the pre-order. Awesome. Good news. All right. Well, for now, let's call that a show. Uh, thank you for listening as always. And thank you, Daniel, Ken, Mark, and we will see you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.